Greetings, my friends. It's Mark Overson. Welcome to Minute with Mark. And yet another off-the-cuff, just kind of spontaneous working with what's happening in the flow of my day. So I'm not doing much planning or editing on these podcasts. But the last few um, people say they want more. They love the new format. So I'm going to roll with it a little bit. Anyway, today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about I just got a phone call from my buddy, multimillionaire, not in the guru space at all. He's just out there working, making money, doing cool things. He's in Hollywood films. He's just in a variety of nutrition um, business. He's got a bunch of businesses, but he's got a book and he called me and he wanted some advice. I'm going to tell you um, what I shared with him there. Also had another uh, young kid in our limitless culture call me about buying tech. He's looking at a non-Mac with similar specs of a Mac. I'll share what I gave him for food for thought on that. Also, I have um, systemic low blood sugar. It's a DNA issue that I have that I was tested for years and years ago. And I'll show you uh, just a, a moment about scientific health practices versus um, just reading an article and trying something and telling ourselves it's good. So a little bit more scientific things and then what I've done for my low blood sugar, which has really changed my life. And then also on seeking mentoring, uh, crafting for kings is what we call it in Solomon CEO culture. And a lot of people, if you're listening, I got a lot, a lot of younger viewers, uh, but they're seeking mentoring and and a common, I don't know how it's out there. Some guru must be saying something about approaching people and you know, more accomplished guys and girls and saying, how can I serve you? And I will share how they're, that's a okay question. It's a nice place. It's good hearted, but it lacks, uh, it lacks a lot of things. And I'll give you an alternative that's a little stronger and just go into that space. And then a little bit on buying books. Um, had a, had another friend ask me what Dan Kennedy book he should buy for direct response marketing, instant response marketing, because he's kind of on that um, direct response train and I'll give him, I'll share just a piece of info that I just gave him. So let's get onto it. Here we go. That's my sound edit. All right. So my buddy calls, I'm on my walk. He says, I've been geeking out on this idea. Short story is he's got this book idea and he's very accomplished. Like I said, he's, he's had his face, um, in the New York times square, like the biggest, his company has featured his face in times square Saturday night. Like the biggest real estate in the world. So he's an accomplished guy, but he calls me, he says, I've got this, I've got a really cool book idea and he shares it with me and he says, well, what do you think? And he says, I've got interns working on it. I've got, you know, I'm going for it. La la. la. Well, this is the short story. I said, and this is like a four, this is a four to seven minute talk and it's really short. And what I share with him is number one, I said, you know, you're using a Hollywood famous film in as kind of the the framework in the title. And I said, so number one, for, for instance, it's not Lord of the Rings, but let's just say it's, you know, like spiritual secrets of the Lord of the Rings. And I said, number one, so it's not that book, but let's just pretend it's something like that. And I said, so number one, I would call a lawyer right away. And he's got something uh, called Legal Shield, which I, I love that service. I've been on it since I was 21. I'm 38 today. It's like 30 bucks a month. And I said, and he's on it too. So I said, number one, call Legal Shield and just say, hey, I have a copyright kind of infringement possible cease and desist question on a book title that uses a Hollywood film. And I'd like to know what the limit is of what I can say about using that film. Because I said, worst case scenario is you create a book and it's an epic freaking blockbuster 
And then you get a cease and desist letter from Hollywood with that book because it's confusing enough where it looks like the brand itself, meaning the film itself, was behind this book. And I said, you've got to find out whatever the threshold is that is legal and then go right up to that and not a step further so you don't put in all this work and then it starts taking off and then they say, hey, cease and desist or give us a portion of your profits. So I said, number one, do that. I said, number two, before you go too geek, and I'm telling you, please, if you're listening to me, you have a book in your heart, I admire it. I think it's a beautiful thing. In fact, I think it's actually, um, I think it's biologically, genetically, spiritually in us to have a story and want to share that story. The theological underpinnings of that theory for me is that God creates the world. So he works first. He creates a craft. He, he shows his craftsmanship in the creation of the eye, the eagle, flight, gravity, all his you know, transcendental laws that he's created, all the physical beauty, you know, you create a seed that's the size of a, a dime and without any electricity or anything, that thing can grow into hundreds of feet tall and not, not take any resources from the earth, but contribute to the soil as the soil contributes to it. And I mean, it's, it's absolutely fascinating, his creative work. So first he creates the work and then um, so you work first and then you write a book about what you did and how to kind of a user's guide, which would be the Bible in the Christian kind of Judeo-Christian orthodoxy there. But so I think being made in his image, a lot of us have information. We have a story. We've done work. We've gone through things and we've gotten wisdom from that and putting it into a book form or a video form or a movie form or sharing it is a very godlike activity. So I applaud it all the way. Anyway, moving past that. I tell him, I said, well, here's, here's what I don't want to see you do. I said, verses like, I, he shared the brief synopsis to me, and I, I think it's got traction. I think it's got a chance. But I said, you know, far better than spending months digging into research, months of writing, months this, months that. I said, why don't you take the interns and craft a 15-minute talking post, 15-minute uh, audio. Do it sonically. Don't do it video because video has so many more dynamics, so much more complexity. And it's really actually much less effervescent and less viral than an audio because an audio can be listened to in the car while people are rock, you know, rolling, while people are in between things, while they're waiting for the bus or the airplane or whatever. So I said, I'd make a 15-minute audio talking point and have a call to action where there's an engagement piece where people can share or curate curiosity from the 15-minute talk. And I'd say, dial it in so great. Give your very best thesis and like, like point in that and see if that 15-minute audio can have legs. Because if it doesn't have legs as a 15-minute audio, putting together a 300-page book Months and months and months of work, and I've seen this dozens and dozens and dozens of times from my friends and good people who throw all this heart and soul into a book. They have no idea if people give a shit. It's not. It's a total waste of time. Epic and complete total waste of time. Please don't do it. Now, if you're already an established voice, you have a huge tribe you can throw out. Uh, there's At some point, you can be so good, you can throw out like just a picture of you smiling and call it the it sequence and people will buy it because you've already had cred, but he doesn't have cred in the guru space yet. So the gist of it is I said, put together a tight single, you don't have to make a podcast string. It doesn't have to be eight podcasts. It can be a single podcast that just the kids on the college campus or whoever the target market would be 
can listen to. And if it starts getting shared and you can track the downloads, you can track the virality. And I said, if that thing has legs, then you have yourself a book. And I'd say, I'd go from there and then I'd get onto a TEDx stage and then I'd speak on the TEDx stage and then I'd get a bunch of views on that. And after the, the idea is absolutely absolutely provable where people are begging you to put it in a book form, I would then put it in a book form. Okay, moving on. On buying tech, this is just a quick little thing. Uh, one of my limitless homies hits me up. He says, hey, I've got this, I'm looking at getting this computer and I, I have no idea what it is, but you know, I don't know what it was. But he said the, the specs are similar to Mac and I didn't go into like, are you looking at it because it's cheaper? Are you looking, like I didn't go into a big inquisitive thing. I just went back, but he was kind of like a little bit questioning. So he's like, I'm thinking of actually, you know, not going Mac. And for me, I'm not like, I made no pledge or credence to Mac. I use Mac because they make me feel better. I also really like the, uh, I like the, the textures of the keys. It feels like piano keys versus most, most non-Macs feel plasticky and like cheap 80s toys to me. Now, some of the new Microsoft, especially the i like their iPad kind of crossover thing, I'm actually considering that for myself. So I'm not a loyalist to really any, I'm a loyalist to myself and my productivity. That's my only allegiance, okay? So anyway, what I told him is I said, okay, for the computer, um, I said, don't think like, don't make any commitment based on some that you love Mac or or that you might get teased because everybody in our space uses a Mac. Almost everybody. It's probably probably 19 out of 20 people in our world use Macs. Okay. But what I said is don't care about any of that. Purchase whatever instrument will give you the best harvest and let your productivity soar. So that's it. Um, buy on the quality for yourself and that's the end of the story then your only allegiance isn't to what's cool. It isn't to what a brand is. It, your allegiance is to your productivity. And then I said, and then I also share, there's this concept um, we call oxen in Solomon CEO, where, you know, when I grew up in North Dakota, guys will spend three hundred, four hundred thousand $400,000 on a combine and that's their harvester. And so what I teach the tech uh, guys in the tech space and girls in the tech space is your computer is a form of your harvester. Actually, your voice and your face and your mind is really a harvester. But the mechanic of it, the mechanics are actually your tech. And so I say, you know, I have, I have friends out there. We can make, we make way more money than some of the farmers, some of even the big farmers. And they're spending three to $400,000 either to rent or to purchase a combine. And here we can spend four or five, six thousand $6,000 on the world's best computers. And that's our harvester. So don't spare any expense because there's this idea that says where there's no oxen, the trough is clean, meaning oxen is a harvest. It's expensive. And if you buy an ox, you know, they crap, they piss, they're expensive to feed, yada, yada. But where no oxen is, the trough is clean, meaning they're not, it's not expensive and you don't have the mess of working with um, the reality of owning an ox. But a rich harvest comes from the strength of an ox. Therefore, the message is there. Don't mind the dirt. Don't mind the piss. Don't mind the crap. Look and focus on the harvest. And that's, that's a big entrepreneurial lesson for all of us, that no matter what harvest you're going at, no matter what industry it is, I don't care if it's chiropractic, dentist, restaurant, dog training, whatever, there are kind of like pea and feces in every single industry, whether you're a teacher, a lawyer, a doc, like it doesn't matter. There's a certain 
uh, mosquitoes at the picnic, and there's always some little crappy thing involved in that industry, no matter what it is. And the big vision there is that you don't fall in love with that. You don't focus on, on the pee and the poop. You focus on the harvest of the thing, and you, you spare no expense on the harvesting machine, which is the oxen, and in this case, your computers and your tech. Okay, moving forward. Um, little thing, so I do, I do a lot of tests on my body because just that's what I've done. So years ago, I found out that I had a genetic um, kind of fault in my system that had a low blood sugar issue. And almost all the Hoversons have it. It's, it's not a pandemic, but it's not an epidemic, but it's just a very real thing. And so because I know that, um, I've been able to look like, how do you, how do you kind of like guard against low blood sugar? So I have to have my health rituals a little bit different to be optimized than someone that doesn't have that genetic fault and, or that genetic like deformity or whatever. So for me, um, there's two things regarding health on this. One is to be scientific about our health. Um, let me take a short little dovetail and I'm kind of out of my league on speaking of health and science and stuff. I've, I mean, I've read a lot, but I'm not trained or studied or vetted in any real way. But anyway, um, like right now, the pineal gland or the pineal gland or whatever, it's, it's hot in some kind of health circles about not having a calcified pineal gland and, you know, really focus on the pineal gland and this and that and the other thing. And I'll, and I'll ask guys, you know, nice, but a little facetious, facetious, like, so how do you know if your pineal gland is calcified? Is there a test for that? And they'll always look at me like, well, no, we just like saying that we don't have a calcified pineal gland. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. But the pineal gland uh, casts out melatonin and helps regulate sleep, and it helps regulate reproductive stuff. So if you were to get scientific about the reality of your pineal gland, you would say, like, how am I sleeping? Or you could do a test for your melatonin output, if there is one of those. I haven't looked. But there is a test for just about everything. But you just say, like, am I sleeping really, really well? And then you could get your sperm checked maybe and say, is my sperm swimming really, really strong? So getting scientific versus hearing articles and trendy things that are out there here and there and just buying them, um, it's better to go scientific. So anyway, here's a short story back to the blood sugar thing. And in your body, you have, um, and that's why I think it'd be great for, you can go to CVS, these kind of things. It's like 50, 60 bucks. It's called a complete metabol complete metabolic panel, I think is what it's called, and it's a blood work, and it'll show you if your iron is low, and you know, I have friends that try vegetarianism for a while, or veganism, or this and that, and the other thing, and they're like, yeah, it's working, this and that, everyone around them sees, and I'm not saying there's not a way to do vegetarianism strong, and be ripped, and thrive in it, but you've got to really figure out how to do that for yourself, well anyway, so we'll have these friends that do vegetarianism for, you know, a few months or whatever. And a lot of them are listening to this podcast. So you guys know who you are and I love you and, you know, high five this whole thing. And this message is really important for you is that, you know, the surrounding friends go, gosh, they look a little gaunt. Their muscle used to have more muscle mass. Now that's kind of weakening some of their, like their testosterone drive seems to be dropping. And it's like, geez, I don't know if this, this, if they're figuring out how to eat properly. Well, if they did a blood panel, you could see that, hey, the iron is too low. You've got you've to compensate for that by eating whatever it is to get that back up or this and that and the other thing. So this is just a little sidebar for um, whatever value there was for yourself. But the idea is scientifically measuring your health versus 
saying like, oh, you know, I'm really pumped that I'm doing this new diet or I'm really pumped that I'm doing this because we like to tell ourselves in the moment, whatever we're doing is smart because it's just kind of like a thing that we like to do for ourselves. We just, you know, tell ourselves that whatever we're doing is smart. So anyway, with the low blood sugar, I do an apple a day and I've been doing this for a while and it's amazing. I don't have the blood sugar drops like I used to. I don't have to be as on guard. Um, and I don't eat as many pies and cakes and I don't eat as rich of foods as I used to, but I want to replace similar textures and similar tastes. So I love apple pie. So what I've learned is if I peel all the peelings off the apple and I just throw the peelings in my mouth because a ton of the nutrition is right there in the peeling. And then I, and then I cut up the apple and just douse it in cinnamon and maybe a little sprinkle of cane sugar on there or something. Um, it tastes a lot like an apple pie. It, it almost tastes desserty, but the cinnamon is a huge blood sugar regulator, and the apple is just good for you for sugars and fibers and things like that. And it was a food replacement thing based on a scientific thing that I know about my DNA. So the takeaway on that is, you know, maybe get a physical, look at your blood work. Um, there's a lot of tests you can do, but just toy with testing your body more than thinking like, oh, I'm you know, my cardio is okay. So a better way to do it is like, see what your cardio max is. And then, you know, do your cardio routines. And then three weeks later, see what your cardio max is again, and judge it. It's like measuring, I guess what you measure can improve what you don't measure, you're just guessing. All right, moving on. Maybe there was some value on that. So on seeking mentoring, and this is a big one, somebody out there in the world, and my personal time with Jim Rohn, this is how I got about three hours, myself, Jim Rohn, the great Jim Rohn, who was Tony Robbins' uh, first mentor when Tony was like 18, 19. And me, Jim Rohn, and Jim Rohn's protege, he was a protege, he was about 45, I was 21, and Jim, and we spent two and a half, three hours just ourselves in Seattle, and I'll share how that works. But somewhere out there, and it's a good effort, I, I love that the message is getting out there that young guys or older people uh, seeking mentoring from people that are more accomplished or whatever. Let me get a drink of water. Hang on one second. Um, you go to somebody and you're kind of like, how can I serve you? Meaning, you know, this is just kind of like a free service thing. I don't know who's spreading this out there. I, I'm not dialed in enough to know. But in the last month, I've been asked probably three or four times by really ambitious, hustling, like 23 to 25-year-old guys, like, how can I serve you? Meaning the business, this and that, and the other thing. And while that, the heart of that is good, here's why that is an extremely inferior approach to getting mentoring and really getting into someone's space and crafting for kings. We call it crafting for kings. There's a, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before the kings, not before the commoners. And the idea is when your work is good, you get you, you summon all the way to the kings, meaning the best people in the industry. And you have people in your industry that are the absolute kings in that industry. And I create a kind of a strategy paradigm blueprint for how to craft up the industry to the very top and serve the kings. And it's not by just calling them and reaching out to their staff and saying, how can I serve you? There's a, there's a much bigger thing. Now, here's why how can I serve you fails. Number one, when somebody asked me that, and again, I, I know who the last, I know those three guys are going to be listening to this podcast. So I love you guys. And this is, this is just take some insight on this is when you hear that to a leader, it means like, gosh, now I have the creative burden to have to assess what your skill set is. 
I have to assess your willingness to do uh, maybe menial tasks. I, I don't I don't know enough of what you're willing to do, what your time frame is, what your go at it is, what what this or that or the other thing. So here's here's what would be better. If you're looking to be in somebody's space, um, one of the best things to do is find out what their hot buttons is and what what stuff is happening in their life. So if someone came to me and said, hey, Mark, I would love to to just serve and get in your space a little bit. I can run the registration at your next event. I can actually I have a little bit of Photoshop things. I'd love to be able to take your logo and present you some name tags with how the fonts would look for your next live event. And I would do the booth, make sure that's run, and then can help get chairs, deal with the catering, just whatever. I will be there as the servant at your live event. Now, that's a way that's almost just like kind of once there's a simple vetting process, that's almost a guaranteed yes. Just a guaranteed, yep, you're invited into the whole world. You get a free ticket to the... So that's super easy, and that's exactly what I did when I was 21 with Jim Rohn. I saw Jim Rohn speak in Dallas, and I went up to Bill Bailey. They had a $4,000, it was called uh, Secrets of the Summit, or Mountaintop Summit Secrets, or something like that. It was Jim Rohn and Bill Bailey for three or four days in this cool retreat, it was four grand. I didn't have a penny. I don't even know how I got to Dallas to the event, really. But anyway, actually, I did. I got the cheapest ticket, and I was literally in the last row of the whole thing. There was about a 1,000 people. But anyway, I went up, and I just said, hey, um, this summit thing, I would love to come. This has been so powerful. And could I – I will clean the sheets. I will, you know, at the retreat thing, if I can – after supper, if I can make, you know, like do the dishes or if I can do registration or if I can do anything at all to help you guys with that summit, I'd love to come. Don't have much money. I can get myself there and I could barely get myself there. And much to my surprise, Bill Bailey, Jim Rohn's mentor, said, yeah, come 100%. And I, I ended up sleeping in the room next to Jim Rohn. And at lunch, I went over to Jim, and I noticed he had nothing to drink. It was kind of a buffet style. And I said, Mr. Rohn, uh, what can I get you to drink? And he said, um, well, why thank you? Uh, Coca-Cola. And I said, Jim, a Coca-Cola? I'm surprised. I mean, you're like Mr. Health Guy. And he goes, Mark, it's not so much what goes into your body that is the source of bad health. It's what doesn't go in, the lack of vitamins, the lack of nutrition, the lack of nutrients, the lack of fibers, the lack of, you know, he just, he gave me like a minute of just, just an eloquent, wise thing. So he goes, a little cup of Coke doesn't hurt anybody. You know, he's just so cool. And then I ended up spending two, three hours, and that's probably a sub, that's probably a podcast on its own, but little me sitting there with Jim and us roaring, laughing. He's telling me Tony Robbins stories of when Tony was getting going, and he's telling me stories of his career, and it's just me, him, and his prodigy and everyone else it's like 50 people everyone else was downstairs getting drunk not dealing i mean i had the master himself to myself it was amazing but here's the here's the gist of it um if you're looking for mentoring you come humbly with service willing to do any menial task and you bring your skills forward not your desires desires don't count they don't they don't matter for much they matter but they don't matter for much because there's an countless abyss of people who desire things. They lack the skills. So I have crafted for kings, and I still do to this day. I had a friend. He's world world top of the world guy. And I saw his Facebook stuff. I said, eh, 
you know what, this Facebook stuff is a little weak. I, I've got a team. We're going to spend 100 bucks on your behalf and show you just what you can do with Facebook a little bit better. He is my friend. We spent 100 bucks. We got him some results. Now he's totally changed his Facebook thing, and I'm in his good, I'm in his good graces and our, our friendship enhanced, and he's introduced me to unbelievable people. And that, but I didn't come and say, like, hey, how can I serve you? I looked for how I could serve him, and I said, here's how I can serve you. Let me do this of my own money, $100, my own time. Let me, you know, show you what we can do to just, I, I want your business to spread a little better, and I got some ideas on how you can do it. Now, I've had over the years another guy, this was back when blogging was a bigger thing than it was now, but uh, he came and he said, Mark, if it's okay with you, I like, I already bought the domain, and I'll, I'll sell it to you at cost. It was like 10 bucks, but I got a domain that's kind of like something with your name in it, and I think blogging, I'd love to get your message out there more. If, if I could create a little bit of blog, I'll take pre-existing content that you have, repurpose it, throw it up there. You just take a look and tell me if you want to work, you know, with the blog and continue it. And if not, it's no big deal. So, you know, I barely knew this guy, but I vetted him through a friend really quick, connected him with our tech guy. He put out a blog. It wasn't my model, so I didn't run with it. But anyway, we've become great friends. He spent that. He's... Him and his posse have come to our house and spent two, three days at our house hanging out. We've become real friends, but it didn't come because he said, how can I serve you? He just served. And I could list a million, literally a million ways to get into people's space from a service aspect that um, if you use it as some little greedy strategy just for yourself, that's, that's not where you come from on it. But you don't want to give creative burden to a leader. We have enough creative burden. I have to, to think to spend 45 to 60 minutes assessing somebody's skills, their willingness, their time commitment, and then offer them a project and not know if they have the capacity to do it is I'd rather just like chop my feet off. I'm never going to do it. So anyway, food for thought on that. Um, another, just one last thought on that is I had a couple that, you know, worked for me full time for two years. And here's how it came. We were at a VIP event, and he he consumed all my information. He's bought all my information. He came up. He said, Mark, I've bought Solomon CEO. I bought Info Blueprint. I bought everything you've ever sold. You've changed my life. I'm so honored to be here. I bought this VIP ticket because I heard you were a speaker and you were going to be here. And I, I'm very efficient on the platform that you work with. I can send emails from there, blah, blah, blah. If there's anything I can do to help you, I'll, I'll do your tech for free. Like if you just send me your emails, I'll log in, I'll code them, I'll do this. If you got an info product, I know how to store it, this and that and the other thing. I'll do whatever you want for free. So I took him on for like a week as a trial for free and then ended up hiring him and his wife full time for over two years. And it all came with bringing skills and specificity to the table and it opened up a whole new world for them and still to this day we're friends we've been in Miami seaside eating having a great time we're friends we're soul friends now and whatever okay finally on buying books um, had a had a homie hit me up and he's heard I like Dan Kennedy now Dan Kennedy's grouchy he's grumpy he's fussy he's a lot of things including absolutely brilliant very kind of like a stern father that an entire generation didn't have. And he writes about instant response, getting profit, not wasting time, managing yourself, managing your vision. And he's just really, uh, he's a prolific author. I don't know how many books he has, 15, 20, something like that. But anyway, this particular kid is really, and he's a young college guy. I mean, he makes decent money. He's 
doing stuff. But anyway, he wants to go online and he goes, what Dan Kennedy book should I get? And I just hit him back really quick and I said, every one of them. And he goes, I mean, he goes like, come on, man. Like, that's like telling a hungry man just to eat whatever. And I said, I said, no, here's the thing. Dan Kennedy, if you want to be one of the best in the world, Dan Kennedy is one of the best in the world. And I said, my philosophy on authors and on content creators is I like to buy their entire life work. So I've, I have every Dan Kennedy book and I've read every single Dan Kennedy book. I have theologians. I've read every word they wrote. I have, there's, there's, I bought Brian Tracy's entire library. It was four or $500. I read and went through all his audios, all of them. Hours and hours, 30, 40, 50 hours. And this was like his MBA. It was so boring. Gosh, it was boring. It was how to have a master's in business. And here I am, and I'm busy in my own business. I'm doing my own education on the side. I went through literally every single thing, his entire library. I think it was four or 500 bucks. I bought it when I was 21. Um, I didn't get to it again until I was later in like 26, 27 that I actually went through it. I bought Jim Rohn's entire library. I can quote almost any Jim Rohn quote. If you start it, I can finish it. All his books, all his action guides, the whole kit and caboodle. And I've done this for over and over. So what I said is once you're on a gold vein of somebody that you think has something, I said what I recommend is why gargle at it, drink it, like drink it, eat, have the feast digest the entirety of that person's philosophy and thought. And then when you get on another gold vein, I encourage you to entire to ingest the entirety of that thought. And, you know, and then ironically, because I've done that, my business has been loaded with people that have bought my full, sh my whole show, my whole ship, and then they buy the whole show too. So anyway, um, those are just thoughts because everything trickles down, right? And I believe in invisible leadership and who you are is who your people are going to be. And there's a lot of things. So anyway, hope this podcast, I uh, hope this episode had some value. I've got a bunch of projects that I'm off to and love you guys. Let's rock and roll.